This morning, I'm going to continue to share with you some of my favorite Bible stories. And when I was a young boy, I loved the story of Daniel and his friends. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I love the stories because these were teenagers, young men, who obeyed God no matter what the consequences. And for me as a young man, as a teenager, it was an inspiration to see how these young men stood up to those who would attack them. And so I want to share those stories with you today. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, it's in Daniel chapter 1, chapter 3, and chapter 6. I'm kind of cheating this morning and taking three stories instead of just one. But I want to begin at the beginning when Daniel and his friends were kidnapped, taken from their homes, and taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to think about this. When you were a teenager, your family was still an important part of your life. And then to be taken from it against your will, against your parents' will, and taken far away so that you would never see your family again, can you imagine what it was like for these four young men? It's hard for me to imagine. Uh, but this I can't imagine because I know all of you who are adults had that moment when you did leave the house. Maybe you were 18, maybe you were older, maybe you ran away at five or six, I don't know. I hope you didn't do that. But anyway, there was a time when you left the house. Some people, when they leave the house, say, Woohoo, I'm free now. I don't have to do anything my parents said. I don't have to have any of their values or any of their beliefs. I can do whatever I want. And some people do that and they fail. They fall flat on their face. Others, they remember what their parents taught them and they remember the wisdom and they follow God. Well, Daniel and his friends were the latter. So they said they traveled a thousand miles. As you see the map from the left to the right, they were far from home. And there is no one, parent, rabbi, teacher, anyone who would have known what they were doing when they were in Babylon. But these four young men first stood up when it was time to eat the king's food. Then they stood up literally when it was time to bow to a golden statue. And Daniel on his knees praying when he was commanded not to. These are the stories this morning I want to share with you. Not so much the detail of the stories because you know them very well. But what do we learn from their courage? One thing we learn is about culture. Here in America, our culture for really centuries was almost a Christian culture. Uh, in America, a lot of the values in America, a lot of what was believed, what was taught, what we stood up for, was very similar to what Christians believed and taught and stood up for. But we are learning that now, and it's been accelerating, that our culture sees Christians often as dangerous. Because our values, what we stand up for, what we believe, doesn't agree 
often with what our culture does and says. And so there's an attempt to silence us. And we may have a future where there's an attempt to attack us, eliminate us, which is what Daniel and his friends found out. But first, the culture was very accommodating to them. In chapter 1, they were to eat the king's food. The king kidnapped them, took them to Babylon, was going to train them for three years. In that time, he was going to teach them the Babylonian language. He was going to teach them about uh, the court, about the government. It was to be their job to serve as Babylonians in the court of the king. So the king wanted them to eat what he ate, to eat the best. So what was brought to Daniel's friends were wine and expensive meats and all the rich and fancy food that the king was eating. But Daniel and his friends didn't want to eat that. It was against their beliefs, their faith. There were strict rules about what they could eat. And what the king was offering would have been disobedient to God if they had ate it. So they said to the eunuch that was in charge of them, uh, hey, we don't want to eat this food. We want to eat vegetables and water. Now, I've always thought that sounded crazy to me. You know, they could have had the best food, and now all they want to eat is vegetables and drink water. Well, the eunuch who's in charge of them says, well, now wait a minute. If I do that, you're going to be weak, and you're going to be sickly, and the king's going to have my head because I'm in charge of you. I'm supposed to train you and teach you, and you're supposed to get stronger. But David said this, why don't you test us for 10 days? Just give us vegetables and water, and then we'll see who's weak and who's strong. So that's what it says in verse 14. He agreed with them, that's the eunuch about this, and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So any young people out there, eat your vegetables. That's what that tells you right there. Eat your vegetables and you will be strong. I almost see it like a miracle. I mean, how could vegetables make you stronger than all the, the other fancy food? <laughs> but anyway, so... The eunuch was, okay, you guys don't want to eat this food? Fine, don't eat it. We'll eat our food, you eat your food, and we'll get along, no problem. That was very accommodating. But when it was time for bowing to an idol, when it was time not to pray, that's when Daniel and his friends were attacked. Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power, Nebuchadnezzar said. To Daniel, all the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Here, Nebuchadnezzar attacks Daniel's friends. You bow to this idol I have made or you will die. To Daniel, he was told, do not pray or you will die. There was no accommodating. There was no saying, oh, you just live your life the way you want to and we'll live our life. No, this 
culture of the Babylonians attacked Daniel, his friends, and their culture. But what we learn is how they obeyed God rather than compromise and give in to the culture. What I love about their obedience is that it was unwavering. If you were given an ultimatum, bow to an idol or you're going to die, or you were told don't pray or you're going to die, I imagine there's some of us who would try to figure out a way to look like we're obeying the king when in our hearts we're not. So maybe Daniel would say, well, I've always opened my windows. I've always prayed so everyone could see. Uh, maybe if I just go in a closet and pray. You know, they're not going to see that I'm praying and the people will think that I'm obeying the king. Or, or maybe Daniel's friends thought, well, we'll bow, but really in our hearts we're not. And our hearts were standing tall and strong, but we'll just do this so the king gets off our backs. And I could think of other ways they would have compromised. They would have faked out the king so that they could have kept their conscience clear, but also appeased the culture. They didn't do that. They were unwavering in their obedience. When they were told, you bow or you die, you eat the food or you get in trouble, or you don't pray or you die, they did this. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows ended upstairs open toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. They obeyed God without question, without compromise, without trying to figure out a way to get around it. They did so knowing what the consequences would be. And that shows me this too about their obedience. It was fearless. They had no fear of the king, no fear of the fiery furnace, no fear of the lions. They obeyed without fear. Isn't it true? Sometimes we can even obey and we're timid about it or we're worried about it or we're not sure it's going to work out. But not these guys. When they were faced with the fiery furnace, this is what I love how they responded to King Nebuchadnezzar. They knew that they were not going to bow. And he said, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. They said, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They knew that God could do the impossible. They knew that God could do a miracle. Logically speaking, if you're a person and you're thrown into a furnace of fire, you're going to burn a horrible death and die. But they knew that God could deliver them. Do you hear that faith? The faith that they had. But then these words, but if not. They also knew that they may step into that fire and they would die. 
but they did not care. They were not afraid. Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Obedience without fear of the consequences. And what also I'm amazed about their obedience, it was consistent throughout their lives. They were teenagers when they were drugged and bound to Babylon. They obeyed God and didn't eat the food. They were older when they refused to bow to an idol. Daniel was serving another king, another kingdom. Babylon had fallen. King Nebuchadnezzar was long dead, but Daniel was still serving. Forty years later, Darius was the ruler. A new empire. But Daniel still was obedient. Forty years later. They didn't obey for a moment. They obeyed for a lifetime. They didn't obey just when it was easy. They obeyed when it was hard. And they didn't obey just when it was convenient for them. They obeyed regardless of the circumstances because they obeyed without fear. And in their obedience, we learn something about how God treats those who obey. He always rewards the obedient. Think about it. When they did not eat the food... God says, it says in Daniel 1.9, God had granted Daniel kindness from the chief eunuch. Because David made a stand, God changed the heart of the eunuch. And so instead of being belligerent and against them, he allowed them to eat the vegetables and drink the water. After their training was over, it says God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. The king found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. God rewarded them with blessing. They were the wisest. They were the best because of their obedience. I'm certain if they had eaten the food and disobeyed God, they would have been at the bottom of the class if they even survived. But God lifted them up because they were obedient and put them at the top. God blesses those who obey. God also delivers those who obey. When Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied because they'd been tied and thrown there, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, of course, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know the true God. He saw something. Maybe he was shiny. Maybe he was different looking. He could tell that this was not a normal person. So he was amazed. There were the three he threw in there, and they weren't dead. And there was a fourth one, who we know to be God, there with them, delivering them, protecting them. Because of their obedience. And Daniel, he was thrown into the lion's den. The king came back the next day after he'd been there all night. And Daniel said, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. 
And also before you, your majesty, I have not done harm. Daniel, with a den of hungry lions, not even touched. Uh, the artist here, I noticed, had one of the lions with his mouth open. I, I, so I think he made a mistake there when he made this painting. But anyway, delivered. Daniel was obedient. When he was told not to pray, he prayed like he always did. He was thrown into a lion's den and God delivered him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow. They did not bow. They were thrown into a furnace and they lived. In fact, when they came out, they didn't even smell a smoke. There wasn't even a hair that was singed. God delivered them. God delivers those who are obedient to Him. But I also know you're thinking about this. That the history of the Jews and of Christians are filled with martyrs. People who died because of their faith. Uh, they weren't delivered, but they did receive eternal life. And I'm reminded of this in the book of Acts, chapter 12. Two apostles are mentioned there. One is Peter. He's in prison. The Christians are praying for him, that God would deliver him. And God does. God sends an angel. An angel comes, opens up the jail door, takes Peter out. He goes to the house where they're all praying for him. Uh, the little girl goes to the door, sees Peter, comes back into the house and says, Peter's here. And they say, no, he's not. And I've always found that weird because they were praying for him to be delivered. Now God answered the prayer and there he is. And they don't believe it. But they do finally realize, oh, this is Peter. They prayed. Peter was in jail. He had been obedient. He was delivered. But just a few verses before that story, we're told this, that the Apostle James, the son of John. You remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. James had been imprisoned and had been executed. Same chapter, two apostles, one is delivered, one is executed. Why? I don't know. But God had a plan. He had a perfect plan. I'm certain it's not because James was a worse apostle or Peter was a better one. God had a plan for James's life. And it was to end in martyrdom. But when he died, he didn't have to worry about Herod anymore. He was in the presence of the Lord. And in fact, Peter was delivered that time. But later, church history tells us that he was arrested again and he was executed as well. But he received as a reward eternal life. Now I want you to listen carefully. I'm not saying that the, they deserved it. They earned eternal life because they obeyed. Because the only way you have eternal life is belief in Jesus Christ. It's a gift that he gives. But they had believed, they had received the gift. And they were waiting for that day when their life would be over. And they would be in heaven with the Lord forever. And that's what a martyr receives. So God rewards those who obey, either with blessing, with deliverance, or he says it's time to come home. And that's a far best scenario, to be with the Lord forever. So my challenge to you this morning 
is to be like these four young men. Especially in a culture that is more and more anti-Christian. Don't compromise. Don't cower. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to get around the commands of God. Obey them without wavering. Obey them without fear. And obey them daily, every day of your life. And God will reward you for that obedience. Father, we are thankful this morning for how you watch over us, how you give us a task, how you give us a life to live. But we are also thankful, Lord, for how you deliver and reward us when we obey you. So my prayer is simple, Lord. This morning, I pray that we would obey you as Daniel and his friends did. And I pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.